Well, good morning, Crossing. It is so awesome and humbling to be here. And um, if you don't know me, my name is Mark Hotelling. I'm one of the pastors out at High Plains Harvest Church out in Alt. I know a lot of people in Fort Collins think that Alt is actually in Kansas. It's not. It's only like 15 miles from Mulberry and I-25. But um, we actually planted, we're a church plant as well, uh, in the Crossway Chapel Network, and we planted almost the exact same time that the crossing was planted. So as Aaron talked about earlier, um, I wouldn't call us twins, maybe more like great cousins or something like that, but um, we so love the crossing. We are so uh, grateful for the friendship, uh, for the network, for this partnership between churches. Um, Recently, you probably have heard if you're uh, a member at the, at the Crossing that Tyler Dell and Brandon Dupree um, have been preaching uh, for us, helping us out as well. Um, with only two pastors in a church, it's really a blessing to have these two young bucks that are solid as rock um, come out and preach. So um, we love the Crossing. We thank you. And uh, would you continue to pray for that partnership and that friendship that we have between these uh, two churches? Um, this morning, we have the, the utter privilege to open God's Word. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but it is a privilege that we get to open the very Word of God. And you all have been in the series of First Peter, and uh, we'll be opening up chapter 5 today. And uh, it's kind of interesting because you guys, I'm preaching today on 1 Peter 5, and our church is actually starting 1 Peter next Sunday. So maybe I'll just, we'll just preach everything in reverse, and and maybe that'll work out. I don't know. But uh, before I get rolling, I want to talk about the target audience um, of this message, because I think this is very, very important. Uh, Aaron alluded to it earlier, that uh, this is certainly a scripture for elders, which are the same as, I'll get into this, the same as a pastor or a bishop or, or whatever, I'll get into this. But I think, the, the, I think the target audience is a whole lot bigger. We have a ton of young bucks that are going through PLI right now, Pastors Leader uh, Institute, uh, for our network. And so this is a message for somebody considering, a, a Scripture says, aspiring to the office of elder. So this is definitely something to consider as well. This is definitely a Scripture for every member of the church. You should be able to look at what are God's standards for an elder, and am I under a, a biblical eldership? I think that's legitimate. And it's not to try and pin somebody to the wall or, you know, find fault or something like that, but we need to maintain God's standard, not our standard. We'll get into that more as we go. So as a real quick recap, Peter's been teaching uh, in the book so far uh, about how to live on mission together, how um, as strangers they were in a cultural context, they were spread out, Christians were, they were strangers in a cultural context, and, and they were in a time where the gospel was under attack, not so different than maybe today, maybe a little worse. But the whole time, the mission's going forward. They're bearing witness for Jesus, for the gospel. I, I, this couldn't be more practical for us today. As we go through this time of, of quarantine and stay at home or whatever it's called the next day, um, 
as businesses are allowed to be open and full, but churches can't be, right? It's a helpful reminder to us um, because that's our call. That's our mandate, that the mission keeps going forward even amidst a, a, a pandemic. So even though our school or our work may have been put on hold, the, the church's mission has never been put on the back burner. It goes forward. Now, we have to be a little, maybe a little creative at times, right? Adapt and overcome. I mean, we're doing live streaming at, at High Plains. We're doing a ton of Zoom meetings now. We, we purchased a business class uh, Zoom commercial account, right? So we, we got to be a little bit more creative. Um, new ways to carry out the mission. But the, at the end of the day, we have no excuse to abandon the mission. And I think that Peter is saying the exact same thing to the church here in 1 Peter, and especially here in 1 Peter 5. They're under persecution, we know, and there's hardship going on. Back in chapter 2, Peter talked about Christians in civil society, and he talked about, then talked about slaves and masters, and then he talks about husbands and wives. He talked about how we're supposed to care for each other within the church, and how we're supposed to respond when somebody asks us, why do you have hope? What is the reason for the hope that is in us? And we're supposed to do all of this with gentleness and respect. And so in our passage today, uh, it begins in in, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, he speaks directly now to the leaders of the church. Now one worthy note as we go into chapter 5 is the last verse of chapter 4. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. I read one commentator, he talked about this, that verse, and he said, suffering looms large. It casts a shadow over 1 Peter. Suffering looms large. It casts a shadow over 1 Peter. And I think from a context standpoint, that's super important um, for us to, to keep in mind. And so chapter 5 starts with, therefore I exult, exhort the elders among you. So in, in light of the reality of the suffering that's going on, um, which, by the way, we know just because we're believers in Jesus Christ, we're not ruled out of suffering. In fact, Jesus told us to actually expect suffering, that it would come. But there's this particular um, exhortation for leaders, for our leaders, because our leaders in the church are going to be targets. So if that is true, God, in His providence, through Peter, wants to give words of encouragement and of, of exhortation. And so this is a very practical, I think a very timely passage for us today. As we read through this text, I want you to watch out for four categories, if you will. And, and first, before I get there, let's talk about an elder. An elder is a, a, a leader in the church. But when we look at the, the, the words that God chose to put down on what describes what an elder is, I'll get into this more as we go, but it's a, it's a, he's a pastor, he's a, an overseer, um, he's a shepherd. We'll get into this and I'll give you some of those actual Greek words here in a little bit. But watch out for these four categories in this text. 
The first one is the office of the elder. And then we're going to look at the, at the elder's work. What is the elder supposed to do? What's, what are they supposed to be doing? And then we're going to see a reward that is promised for the elder. You'll see that in verse 4 as we go here. And then in, in verse 5, there's, um, we, we need to contemplate the, the elder's reception or how we receive an elder. And, and this is one of those texts, honestly, as an elder, that's like a little uncomfortable to talk about because like, you're talking about yourself, and, but it's also extremely convicting. I tell people at High Plains all the time that, I mean, half the sermon, half the text that God gives me out there, I, I'm preaching to myself. He's preaching to me through the text. And so if you're an elder watching this, have that heart. What is God saying? Not from Mark. What is God saying through this text? How should we receive the ministry of our elders? So before we get into that, let me pause and let me pray and ask God to, to help us here this morning. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are great and you are greatly to be praised. And your word is infallible and it's awesome. And it is perfect and right for all teaching and encouragement and exhortation and maybe even at times rebuke. And so as we have the privilege again of opening up and looking at your word and understanding your heart and your mind a little bit better, God, would you by your Holy Spirit guide us, each one of us, every person who's listening on this on the internet, whether it's morning, noon, or night, would you by your spirit quiet our hearts and let us take in your word and pray all this in the holy and matchless and perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you, if you have a Bible in front of you, why don't you grab that, open it up to 1 Peter, go towards the end of the, the New Testament there. The nice thing about this, these kinds of things is you can always hit the pause button, like and go get another cup of coffee or grab your Bible that you forgot or, or whatever. So if you need to hit the pause button right now, go ahead and do that. <clears throat> so we come back, uh, our text this morning is 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. The Word of God says this, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive you, you, I'm sorry, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Some of you might know that, I, I think Aaron mentioned it before, but I got the, the, the extreme honor to uh, serve in the United States military um, as a Navy SEAL. And when we would go out on mission, when we'd be out on patrol, we made sure that our officer was not wearing any insignia or anything that would indicate that he was different than us. We, we would 
make sure he didn't have a brand new pair of REI hiking boots on, right? That would make him look rich or something like that, right? We wanted to make sure that as enlisted men that we were protecting him. And we would put him actually in the middle of the patrol so he wasn't the first guy to enter the ambush and get whacked. He wasn't out front. And these five verses made me think about the, the, this week about this because what Peter is saying to the churches is, look, <clears throat> bearing witness for Christ is going to be costly. And if you're an elder, if you're the spiritual leader in the church, that means that you're going to be a target. The world... Um, the flesh, the devil, these are all parts of the enemy forces. And they, they're going to go after, they're, they're going to be snipers looking out for church leaders. And if they know that they can take out our, our, our church leaders, then what does that do? At least in their mind. It, it, it'll discredit the message of the church or the, the mission, the, the message of the gospel. They, could, they think they could shatter the trust of the flock because maybe the flock will then, you know, start dividing and, and, and squabbling or, you know, <clears throat> they think that they can stop the mission of the church right in its tracks. The enemy is on the lookout for officers. And so what Peter is, is playing here, he, he's playing the part in, in, in SEAL terms, and <clears throat> Don Morrill will appreciate this, He's the seasoned chief, or the seasoned senior chief of the platoon. And Peter is giving this wise counsel to elders who need to hear it because they're leading the church onto the battlefield. So as we pay attention to this godly conflict that is all around us all the time, it has been that way, the first thing we want to think about here and we look at the text is, is what is the elder's office itself? Look back at, at verse 1, if you would, please. He said, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and, their, and, and witness of the sufferings of Christ. Remember, Peter watched and saw Christ nailed to the tree. And then he says, And a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock. Now, we know that um, the churches that, that Peter was writing to, they were led by a body of elders. The word that's translated here for elder is the, is the Greek word presbyteros. Uh, this is one of the three terms that's used in the New Testament to describe this, this office inside the church. So look at the text again. It says the elders are to shepherd the flock in verse 2. So this word is poiomeno, uh, screw this up, poiomeno in, in, the, in the Greek, and this word means shepherd. It's, it's translated, and it's often, tra- it's a noun, and it's often translated as pastor. So we, so far we have elder, shepherd, and pastor all in one text. And, and Peter is using this as descriptions, not as separate offices. I'll talk more about this here in a little bit. Elder is a pastor. And then he goes on to say, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight. So if an elder is a shepherd and a pastor, the word that is used for for oversight here is epikopos. It means a a bishop or an overseer. 
you can tell I'm not a Greek scholar. Um, I'd love to go to Greece someday. Now, in our context, modern-day context, later in history, some denominations started taking these words and separating them out to make different offices in the church. But I think it's honest to say, you know, if we look at the New Testament, that a bishop and an elder and a pastor and a shepherd and an overseer were all the same thing. They're different names for the same office. We, we won't read it, but go to Acts uh, chapter 20. Look at Luke's description of Paul's trip to Miletus and where they're told to call for the Ephesian elders. Same words that are used. So that's the office of elder, and it's a biblical office. So what, but what about their work? What, what's an elder supposed to do? Well, look back in verse 1. Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder. And this is kind of a, a, a minor, minor point, but I, I think it's worthy, um, as, you know, as Aaron said earlier, to encourage the elders in, in, in the churches. So Paul, or I'm sorry, Peter addresses them as fellow elders. Now we know that Peter's an apostle. An apostle is one that was commissioned by Jesus himself and sent out. But he, he's not throwing around some, you know, apostolic authority, right? And just demanding people to, you know, in churches to do things. No, he's coming alongside of them. He's one of them. He's a fellow elder. And I think, and this was convicting for me, that that's actually a really good example of eldering. Thoughtful, tender, gentle. He, he, he stands with them, not over them. He stands with them. He locks arms with them, and he models to them what, what they need. And look what he tells them to do specifically. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now, it's, context here is important. Remember Peter's past history. He was the one that was so afraid at Jesus' trial that he denied the Savior three times. Three times he swore that he didn't even know Jesus. And then when the rooster crowed, Scripture says, he was overcome with grief. And then he had to watch his Lord that he said he had loved be beaten and crucified. I, I can't even imagine what Peter was going through. And, but I do think that... that this is why it's so precious to him after the resurrection that, that, you know, Jesus sought Peter out and he reinstated him back into ministry three times. So any of you who think, you know, that you're counted out, man, look at Peter. Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Simon Peter said, yes, you know that I love you. This is after the resurrection. And then Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then tend to my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. What was Jesus calling Peter to be and to do? He's to be a shepherd in the flock. And that means he needs to feed the sheep the word of God. Now, I know that term sheep, you know, for some people might be offensive, who better to be than a sheep of the, of the great shepherd? 
But here we see that he, um, that that the shepherd in the flock needs to tend to the to the needs and care for them. He's also to protect them from wolves, from false teaching. He needs to shepherd the flock. That's that's the elder's task. And in doing that, he says, notice back there in the text, exercising oversight. Elders have the responsibility of overseeing the life of the church, of the flock of God. Now, when we get together and meet as elders, we do this as as a network um, once a month. Um, Every quarter, we try and get all of the elders and even maybe potential elders together um, to meet. I think if we had the honest discussion, we would all admit that it's, it's really easy as a pastor to fall into this default role of just being a manager, you know, being, being a, 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 just moving the sheep around. But that's not what the biblical office is of overseer. But we do, we get together, we make decisions, and, and that's an important part. I mean, we have to do that as elders. But I think actually what Peter's doing here is reminding us of the harder part of the work, the uncomfortable part sometimes of, of our calling as elders. As elders, we are called primarily to be concerned with the oversight of the people, not just the, you know, the organizational structure or, you know, the efficiency of the building or, you know, whatever. But being an elder isn't first about deciding who gets to do what in the church. It's about loving the flock of God, feeding them the Word of God, and and being in their lives with compassion and godly concern. Again, this is super convicting on me. Look back again at verses 2 and 3. Because Peter's not just concerned uh, for what elders do, but for how and why they do it. He said, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over these allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. There's an a, a American theologian named Sam Storms, and in his comments on this passage, he says, the three negative attitudes might be summarized as love of praise, love of profit, love of power. And I think this is really healthy for us to, to consider. Those are the things that elders are not to be motivated by and not be driven by. We're not to be driven by the love of praise. We're to shepherd. It says, not under compulsion, but voluntarily or one of your, your, some of your translations may say, but, not, but willingly. And then it says, according to the will of God. So in other words, let God set the terms. Do it for God's glory, according to God's word. He wants us to be cheerful, wholehearted servants that care for the flock. We're not to be driven by the love of praise, not by the love of profit, because it says an elder is to shepherd not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. And unfortunately, it is all too easy for us to find examples in the wider church 
not just across America, but we see the health and wealth garbage going out across Africa and, and other continents. But we see leaders who they, they, they use spiritual abuse. And they've used their position for financial gain. Peter says instead of greed, generosity is to be the, the default setting of an elder's life. And then thirdly, an elder is not to be driven by the love of power. We are to shepherd. Peter says, quote, not lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. The, the office of elder is not an office of control or one of, of, for somebody who's power hungry. It's an office of ministry and care. I once heard somewhere, I can't, I, I, I couldn't remember where I heard it, but I once heard that a shepherd should smell like the sheep. And that means um, that we're to be among the people. And, and the people need to invite the elder in as well. You want to smell sheep? Come on out to High Plains Harvest. Well, on the way there, you're going to run into Double J uh, Sheep Farm. And some people love the smell, like me. Other people, not so much. But an, an elder needs to be an example of humility, of, of tenderness, of godliness, one that points people to Jesus. Paul uh, recounted in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5, he said, you know how we lived among you for your sake. That's what every elder should be able to say. To every person of the people of God, <clears throat> to non-believers, I mean, this has got mission written all over it. You know how we lived among you for your sake. And then lastly, or thirdly here, we have the, this reward that we see. It's amazing. So anybody, that, anybody that's involved in Christian ministry, I think needs encouragement in this area. Look back at verse 4. Here's Peter's encouragement and his motivation. He said, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What, what helps motivate a Christian servant? Someone that's engaged in Christian ministry, whether it be an elder or um, um, anybody, a deacon, a children's ministry worker, director, whatever, anyone. What motivates us to overcome the awkwardness in calling up somebody in the congregation and saying, how are they doing? What, what, what helps us as elders and as, as Christians help us cross over the... the um, the pain barrier, the pain threshold, and do the hard things for the Lord? What helps a shepherd to serve sacrificially and eagerly? Peter gives us the answer here. It's a very clear view of the promise of glory that will be ours when the chief shepherd appears. Peter already knows that he's going to be a partaker of that glory. But he also knows that following Christ is going to be very costly. Remember, again, he was there when Jesus was nailed to the cross. But I think he could say exactly what Paul said in Romans 8, 18. 
Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So here's what Peter's saying. Look, elders, it's going to be hard and costly. But the glory that's going to come is worth any cost. The chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. So Christians, church families, when, when Christian service is hard, when it's maybe long, sometimes long and, and wearisome, Peter wants us to look for the coming of the chief shepherd, that glory that's, that's waiting, and to press on, as Paul says, to take, the, take hold of the prize. I would submit to you that, that this text is a principle for all of us in our Christian lives in these days. And, and we might go through toil, trial, maybe through some suffering, maybe even through some sickness, maybe even isolation. We've had a lot of that lately with quarantine. We need to keep looking, keep looking forward to the appearing of the chief shepherd because he's promised us a crown of glory. Lastly, there's this reception, the, the elder's re- reception. So how should we, and I'm, I'm speaking as <clears throat> church members of, of any church, right? How should we respond to our elders when they actually care for us like this? Look at verse 5. It says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. This is an important part. So I tell people at High Plains all the time, the English language is probably one of the, the least descriptive, worst languages on the planet, I think. I mean, the, the other languages around the world, you know, don't get me wrong, greatest country in the world, fought for it, my friends died for it, would do it again in a heartbeat. But the English language is not very descriptive. And this word younger here, it doesn't mean those that are younger in age. It's actually the opposite of the word um, that was used previously. It, 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 more, it better translates into somebody that is um, junior in the congregation to the elders. So this doesn't mean, and we can see from the rest of Scripture, we can look at Timothy and you know, <clears throat> Paul's writings and everything. It, it doesn't mean that somebody who is younger, who, they're an elder, a pastor, and then a guy comes in to the, to the congregation, and he's 10 years, 20 years older, right? He's still an elder. And what Paul, or Peter is saying here, I keep saying Paul, I don't know why I do that, because I love Paul, but, uh, but what he's really talking about here is those that have been placed over us to shepherd us. That's what the, the, the real meaning of the text is. And, and I know, and I've seen it across in, in High Plains, I've seen it in the crossing, I've seen it in all of our churches, where there are good, faithful men who <clears throat> come under the authority of an elder, even though that elder might be, you know, 10 or 15 years younger or whatever. So how are we to respond? Well, we're to be subject to the elders. And, and subject and submission, right, those are, those are not popular words in our day, 
right? We live in a time of, of radical individualism, right? We want to be autonomous. We want to be free. We want to do whatever we want, right? It's, it's even out, worse out, you know, in, in rural country because what are we? We're homesteaders, right? We're out there, you know, grabbing our own bootstraps. You know, men don't cry. You don't ask for charity. You know, it, it, it's, those are all great things, and it founded our country, but it's terrible for the church, and it's against Scripture as well. So we need to, to feel how Peter's words are actually countercultural here and how much of a profound witness they can be right now in this time of isolation. Peter's saying, okay, Christians, love each other. Elders, pour your lives into the flock. And the flock should follow the elders' lead. There's so much beautiful unity in this mutual submission. The submission to Jesus and to one another. And, and while society may go up and down and fracture and fragments over here, <clears throat> the church holds together as one body, one flock under one head, one shepherd, Jesus Christ. Think of the profound witness that can be. The church of Jesus Christ grows greatly under the care of Jesus, the great shepherd. He's made us one church, and Peter's writing to encourage and promote and further that unity. So we might be separated right now, but we are one in Him. And the elders are to be not the only hands and feet, but they are to be the hands and feet to put care into the flock. So as we respond to this, to God's Word, it's my prayer that, that first He would get all the glory in our hearts, but He would get glory in our homes, He would get glory in our church, and He would get glory in our land. Amen.